Good afternoon, everyone. Did you enjoy lunch? Yeah. I want to say thank you also to my church family for that for that wonderful meal. Um, and I and I just love it. You know, it's light and uh, it won't it won't cause a food coma. You know. Um, and, and since I'm Samoan, I can I can I can share this. You know, I know that you know if you ever attend uh, Samoan fellowship meal or Polynesian potluck. Um, you know that they, they, they go to town, right? I mean, they just all out. But then in the afternoon, <laughs> you know, that, that food settles, settles down and then they're, you know, and they're gone. Um, but praise God for, for, praise God for his word, you know, and uh, I'm thankful for the bread of life. How about you? And uh, I want to just say thank you to my pastor, um, Keith uh, Noel, for sharing um, powerfully um, about the Holy Spirit this morning and our need of the Spirit. I also um, firmly believe um, all that was shared this morning, and I'm going to share some things that, uh, I was, as I was sitting there, I was just um, shaking my head and just chuckling to myself because all that he shared um, has transpired um, there in Seattle with what we've been doing as far as our gatherings and just the answered prayers and the miracles that have been happening. And so I just praise God for that. Um, I'd like to add my prayer to that of uh, the elder that prayed, and, uh, and then we'll get into the word. Is that okay with you? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you so much for the setting that we're in. Oh, how beautiful it is to be in the book of nature. The other book, Lord, that we are to look at and study. And Father, I pray for more of your presence. I pray for more of your Holy Spirit to be poured out. Lord, you promised us in the book of Joel, chapter 2, that you would pour out your spirit upon all flesh. And then you repeated it over there in the book of Acts, chapter 3, with Peter. And then you shared through Peter, Lord, that the promise is not just for those that were in his time, but for those who are far off, Lord. And here we are. And we are pleading and praying and asking for the Holy Spirit to guide and lead us in the study of this word. Lord, help us to see our condition and our need of you. Help us to recognize, Lord, that we are needy and that we need the Holy Spirit now more than ever. May Christ be lifted up and may he be the center of attraction. May he be the draw. Draw us to you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'd like to um, just share with you a couple of things that Pastor Noel shared um, earlier. For example, that scripture there in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, ask, seek, and knock. Um, and then over there in Luke chapter 11, about the persistent um, neighbor. You know, uh, we, we are having a convocation in, 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 uh, at Auburn Academy with several churches. It's Kent, Maple Valley, Renton, and now Auburn Academy has jumped on board. And uh, we have also sent out an invitation to all the pastors and all the churches those who want to join us for united prayer and seeking um, the Holy Spirit together. You know, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will heal their sin-sick land. And beloved, I want to share with you that in that text, you find the conditions for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and for revival right there. 
if we would just humble ourselves and, and we would just pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, God promises that he will hear our prayers and that he will bring healing. And beloved, I want to share with you that not only in our homes, not only in our churches and in our communities, but this nation of ours also needs healing. I mean, God has promised that he will bring healing, folks. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says that by his stripes, we are healed. And I believe that whatever it is that you might be facing, you might be facing emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, um, social, whatever, whatever stress you might be under, whatever it is that you are feeling or experiencing, I want you to know that there is healing in the name of Jesus and through his blood. You know, um, and going back to the convocation, so we're bringing, we're bringing Pastor Rome and his wife Kitty and five of their children from Australia. We're bringing Pastor Meshach up from San Diego with his ministry team. And, and the reason for it is because we've all, been, we've all been praying together every single night for the last two months. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Randy and, and Pastor Willie and I have been praying actually longer than that way back in February. And so God brought us all together, this team, and the same vision, the same goal, the same purpose, the same aim, and that is to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the only one who can bring revival. Yes, that's right. And that's what we need. We need revival, folks. And so um, I'm sure Pastor, Pastor John will receive that letter, and I'm praying that, that uh, our dear family here from Alaska and Winlock and from, from wherever you're, you're coming from... Um, would join us, that would be September 5, 6, and 7. 5, 6, and 7 over at the Auburn Academy Church. Um, Pastor Rome and Pastor Meshach will be our, our um, guest speakers, but we're praying for the Holy Spirit to show up, and I believe that he will. Please go with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3. And you see the title on the screen, Profile profile of the lukewarm, and, and I actually have been studying some things and uh, looking at um, the church, and, and please understand that when I'm covering, what I'm covering today, it's the church in general, okay? But I also don't want us to, I also don't want us to do this, okay? Every time I, every time I, I, I'm preaching a message that, that just, like, cuts, cuts to the heart or or, or, it, or it, uh, it hits home. And beloved, I'm, I want to just share with you that I'm, I believe that the Holy Spirit brought me here to challenge, to motivate, and to inspire. And, to, and, and for us to really take a close look at our own hearts and examine our own lives and our own hearts as to where we are in relationship with God. Um, Revelation chapter 3. And by the way, according to Revelation chapter 1 verse 1, it tells us that it is the revelation of who, everybody? Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation of Jesus Christ. So the entire book of Revelation is all about Jesus. Yes, there's beasts and dragons and all this other stuff, but the focus, the emphasis, I want to just put it this way. Jesus Christ is the subject. He is the subject. He is the apex. Okay? He is the focus. He is the heart. He is the hub. He is the nexus. He is the kerygma of the entire Bible, including the book of Revelation. In fact, it is in Revelation where Jesus himself reveals himself to us. It's all about Jesus. Would you say amen? And so we must keep 
the main thing, the main thing. We must have Christ at the center. Now, when you look at Revelation, it's interesting because Revelation chapters 1 through 11, you have the three sevens. You have the seven churches, you have the seven seals, you have the seven trumpets. The seven churches speak to the spiritual history of the church. The seven seals speaks to the seven or the uh, ecclesiastical history of the church. And the seven trumpets show us in a political world the church developing both spiritually and ecclesiastically. Revelation chapter 12 is a summary of the great conflict or the great controversy between Christ and Satan. Revelation chapter 13, it reveals the beast and it reveals the devil, the enemy, and his tools. Revelation chapter 14 reveals the, the work of the church. Revelation chapter 15 and 16 are the seven last plagues. Revelation chapter 17 and 18 exposes the enemies of God's people. Revelation chapter 19 shows the church triumphant. Revelation chapter 20 reveals God's judgment of the world. And Revelation chapter 21 and 22, God tells us that everything is going to be all right. Amen. That's all a revelation in a nutshell. But that's, that's, it's all about Christ, folks. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to bring us back to the center. Yes. <laughs> it's all about him. It's all about, it's all, you know, the spirit, the spirit and the bride say, come. Listen to what the spirit has to say to the church. And by the way, let me just share that the church is not made up of stick and stone and mortar and brick and all of that. The church, people. There's a, there's, a, there's a question that I've been challenging my church now for months, and now it's finally, it's finally clicking. I ask them every Sabbath morning when we're getting together for worship service, I say, how was church this week? And you know, the very first time I asked the question, they said, well, last Sabbath was pretty good. No, 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 no. That's not what I asked. I didn't ask you how, how service was last week, last Sabbath. I asked you how was church this week, because the fact of the matter is, Church is not about meeting only on Sabbath in a building. Church is what we do every day because we, you and I, are the church. And so what happened was, what's so powerful is what, and what's been taking place now is that now I've been asking that question, and guess what? A bunch of hands have been going up. And they share testimonies of what God has been doing through them throughout the week. How they've been ministering to people in the community, on the job, in people's homes at coffee shops, in libraries. <laughs> so much so, Pastor, that I don't even have to preach some Sabbaths. There's too many testimonies for me to preach. And so after a whole bunch of people come up and give a testimony, I say, that's what God said today? Let's close service. By the way, church service, I love how one person put it, we're not Seventh-day Adventists, we are seven days Adventists. I'm going to challenge our church family. Church is not, what, not something that we just come together on Sabbath morning. Listen to the speaker. And by the way, one pastor had an experience with his daughter. And he asked his daughter, he said, honey, your birthday's coming up. <laughs> he said, what, if, what, what do you think if we invited your friends and just told them that just to come over and spend time with you and just to have a little cake and ice cream? 
How many, how many of your friends think would come over just to spend time with you? She said, oh, probably a few, probably maybe just my closest friends. Then he said, what if we rented out Dave and Buster's and offered them free tokens to go and play all the games that they want, free pizza, and all this other stuff? Now how many people would come for your birthday party? She said, probably the whole school. And then this pastor said, that's how we do God. Unless there's some great speaker, unless the music is nice, unless we have all the trimmings, how many of us would really just show up to church if, it was just, if God just said, come together and pray and seek my face? How many would just show up? You know, you know the struggle that we have trying to get people to come to prayer meeting? And so the question is, is God enough? <laughs> that if Nehemiah and Pastor Noel weren't here, that you guys would still gather if, if Pastor John got up here and said, you know what, we're just going to have a camp meeting focused on prayer and pleading and praying for the Holy Spirit. Without all the bells and whistles. Because trust me, God doesn't need my help. <laughs> Trying to be creative with his word. His word by itself has power. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11, it says, And I will send forth my word, and my, and my word will not return to me void, but will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. There is power in the word of God. <laughs> That's why whenever I'm ministering to people, I, try, I always want to take them back to the word. I always want to speak scripture. One of, the, one of my favorite texts is found in Psalm 119, verse 11. It says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Would you say amen? amen. We need the word of God in our hearts. Revelation chapter 3. And by the way, Revelation chapter 2 and 3, you have the seven churches. You have Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. And what I find amazing is that over there in chapter 3, that the seventh church is considered to be, of all the seven, perhaps the worst of them all. Christ has nothing good to say about the seventh church. No, absolutely nothing good to say at all. And I want you to notice what it says beginning in verse 14. Please notice what it says in verse 14 of Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Let me get there. Revelation chapter 3. And I'm going to do, do this in two parts today. Since I'm going back to back, I want you to notice what it says, beginning in verse 14. And by the way, these are the words of Jesus. Notice what it says. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy what? I know thy works. And by the way, that's a recurring message in all of the seven churches, which means God knows us. <laughs> God knows us. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art what, everybody? And by the way, Pastor Noel mentioned it also in his message. It just seems amazing, the connectivity of the messages this morning. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. 
Because thou sayest, notice, because thou sayest, I am what, everybody? I am rich and increased with goods and have need of how much? Nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So the Bible here makes a very clear, Revelation makes it very clear that we think we're one way. But the Bible shows us what we really like. It shows us our true condition. By the way, I'm so thankful that Christ doesn't leave it there, but that he provides the remedy. Would you say amen? amen. For the spiritual malaise in the church. He provides the remedy himself. He provides the remedy. It is Christ who provides all of these things. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment and that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. And then notice, I know this is a hard message. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and what everybody? And repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh, that's another message that's repeated over and over in all seven churches. It's a message of overcoming. Would you say amen? It's a message of overcoming. It's a message. It's a victorious message. Now, folks, I want to share with you, though, that the difference, though, with Laodicea and all the other churches that preceded it, I, I want you to notice something. Every other church, though, it says to, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes. In church number seven, I praise God for this. To him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame. <laughs> and am set down with my father where? In his throne. So you know what the key here is? That while this is not mentioned in all the other six churches in church number seven, it gives us, it gives us, it tells us how we can gain the victory and how we can, how we can overcome. It says that Jesus, as I overcame. And so it's only through Jesus overcoming and accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and receiving him into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I mean, listen to the language that Paul uses. Paul says that we are to put on Christ, right? And then he says that when I am baptized, I am baptized into Christ. And so we must have Christ in us in order to overcome. Because I want to share with you right now that there's not one of us in this room, this preacher included, that can overcome in our own strength and in our own power. We can only overcome because of Jesus Christ. Okay? But now let's take a look. Let's look at the profile of, of the lukewarm, and I'm going to divide this in parts again. Lukewarm. And this is, this is to get us to think. And like I said, I hope and pray that, you know, we're not, as we look at some of these things, that we're not thinking of somebody else in our mind and like, man, that sure does sound a lot like so-and-so. <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, you look over to your neighbor. I've seen this actually happen, so I'm not, you know, I've actually seen this happen. When I, when I hit on some truths, I've actually seen people look down the aisle and say, did you get that? That was weird. What about you? What about me? I mean, we shouldn't be looking around at other people and trying to apply the message to them. It should be applied to ourselves. And trust me, when I looked at this, 
and I was going through it, the Holy Spirit was convicting me time and time and time again. And beloved, I want to, I want to, I'm going to go through this and, and I'm going to use the word to back it up. Okay? I'm going to use the word of God to back it up. I want you to notice profile of the lukewarm. Lukewarm people attend church regularly. It is what is expected of them, what they believe good Christians do, so they go. So, Lukewarm people love to show up to church <laughs> because they, they believe that it is what's expected of them and the thing to do, and so they're going to do it. It's going to get deeper than this, though. And so let me, let me just give you, lukewarm people attend church regularly. It is what is expected of them, what they believe good Christians do, so they go. Please notice what it says in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. So let me ask you a question. Is it possible? Is it possible for us to come on Sabbath morning or any other service that we all gather together? And we're only here because it makes us look good and it's the right. It's a good thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Or. Should, there be, should it be much deeper than that? Should we be here because we have a relationship with God and we are in love with Jesus? Again, I'm going to, I'm going to, there are some things up here that, that I pray. Now, again, it may not, not, all these things may not be applicable. <laughs> I might be preaching to the choir. But I'm, I'm praying that we would really take a look at ourselves and say, man, Lord, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. See if there's anything, Lord, that is keeping me in this condition. Um, notice what lukewarm people give money to charity and to the church as long, as long as it does not impinge on their standard of living. If they have a little extra and it is easy and safe to give, they do so. After all, God loves a cheerful giver, right? I want to share with you a story. You remember that story I shared with you earlier about Moses, the young man who came and found me, who was, who was, who was thinking about taking his life, right? Thinking about taking his life. By the way, what was, what was also amazing about that, about that whole story is this, is that right before... On Thursday, I had, actually, I had actually prepared a message for Maple Valley that Sabbath, and it was, it was entitled, The Other Side of Pentecost. I was going to share with them what took place in heaven during Pentecost. However, God switched up the message and said, that's not what I want you to share with the church family. And I was arguing with God. I said, well, I've made all this preparation. He said, that's okay. He said, I know you've made the preparation, but you just opened your mouth, and I'm going to give you what to speak. And lo and behold, lo and behold, did you know that the message I shared this morning on the two demoniacs is what God told me to preach on, and Moses shows up in need of deliverance. Not only that, <laughs> there was a couple who was sitting there, um, and the, the, the wife, she attended my evangelistic series last fall in October. She gave her heart to Christ. She came back to Jesus, but her husband, her husband refused. 
In fact, he, he grew up Lutheran, and although he really doesn't know that much about the Bible, he actually came in and sat. He sat in on a meeting that I did on the Mark of the Beast, and he was livid. He was furious. He actually stood up in the middle of that meeting, and he stormed out. And afterwards, he told his wife, I am never, ever stepping foot in this church ever again. Well, for some reason, I believe that maybe, maybe, at, maybe the prayers of his wife and all of us have been praying he shows up with his wife on this particular Sabbath. I share about what happened with Moses that morning. I share about the meeting in the, in the parking lot. And then after I shared about the two demoniacs, this man walks out of the church at the end of the service. He's crying and weeping. His lips are quivering. He can barely get the words out. And he says to me, Pastor Nehemiah, that was for me. He says, I need Jesus. He texted me on Monday and said, would you please come over on Wednesday? I want to have a Bible study. I showed up at his house and had a Bible study with he and his wife. You know, what's amazing is that his wife said, the Lord has been working on his heart and he's a totally different man now. Would you say amen? amen. Totally different man. And, and what's, what's powerful about it is they even agreed. They said, you know what? We feel a burden on our hearts to open up our home to our neighbors and invite them to come. And, and, and to, to just fellowship and study the word of God together. And I want to tell you, one of, the, one of the miracles that took place is Pastor Rome and his wife, they got five kids who are coming from, you know, they're, they're in Australia. And, you know, we're just praying for the funds. I think of, I think of George Mueller, <laughs> that, 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 that titan of a prayer warrior. Who, who prayed and, and, you know, all those orphans that he took care of. Now, once did he ask for help? Now, once did he ask anyone to give him anything? He said, God is going to provide all that we need, and God provided. And so we were praying, Lord, we want to bring all five of those children out. We want to bring all five of Pastor Rome and Kitty and their children out, because the last time they were here for camp meeting for three weeks, he left all five children back home with the grandparents. But this time they said, you know what, Pastor, man, if we're coming out this time, Please, let's pray that we can bring all five of our kids. And the moment that we prayed, Matthew 7, 7, and Luke 11, that persistent, I, man, I was banging on the door of God and saying, Lord, give me bread, give me bread, give me bread. And not long after that, this couple said, you know what? God has blessed us. God has put it on our heart. We want to bless the church, and we want to sponsor those kids to come out. I want to share with you that in Acts chapter 2, one of the telltale signs, one of the telltale signs of revival in the church is when finances do not become an issue. Boy, he got awfully quiet. One of the telltale signs of revival in the church is when finances do not become an issue, especially when it comes to soul winning. You can't show me in the Bible where Jesus said, I need a budget. I'm just, folks, one of the things that I, that I, that I appreciate, and listen, we're, I mean, we are a work in progress, too, over there in Maple Valley. I mean, the Lord is really working with us. He is really massaging the hearts of the people. You know, when, when they, when they um, we, we have a building fund, and, and, and I praise God. I praise God for those that have, been, that, that have, that have given, and, and, and praise God for the building fund. We, we have actually been looking for something on the market in Maple Valley now for several months. 
we're looking for a building. We're looking for an existing church that, that, that somebody's trying to sell. We're, we're looking for anything that we can find. But we have not been able to find anything. No building in Maple Valley, Covington, Issaquah, all those areas. There's nothing that we can find. And you know what came up? Ever since we've been praying to the Holy Spirit, ever since we've been praying about, Lord, it, help us to be all about mission. Help us to be about your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to put the resources where you think they should go because this is your money. Now the church members are saying, you know what, Pastor? What if we took all the money that's in the building fund and started investing it into the community? What if we got like a little center, a little house, and we started, do, we started doing ministry from that house or center and bringing people in for the health message and healing and training disciples and having studies and things like that? They said, we want to put the money where God can most use it effectively. I said, hallelujah, because that was not initiated by the pastor. <laughs> that came from the members. And beloved, I want to share with you that God wants to take us out of this, you know, this, this, this lukewarm state where, and let me, let me just give you 1 Chronicles 21 verse 24. You got to read the whole story about this. King David, re King David replied to Arauna. No, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that cost me what? Nothing. Nothing. Let me continue on. Luke 21 verses 1 through 4. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their what? Out of the wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And beloved, I want to share with you that when we start to give, when we start to give outside of our normal giving, <laughs> sometimes even when it hurts, I believe the Spirit of God is at work because we're also trying to prove and test God because He is a faithful God and He will provide and take care of us. Amen? I believe that with all my heart. Now, lukewarm people tend to choose what is popular over what is right when they are in conflict. They desire to fit in both at church and outside of church. They care more about what people think of their actions like church attendance and giving than what God thinks of their hearts and lives. So, yeah, they, they'd rather take what is popular over what is right. And listen, it, it says here that they care more about what people think than what God thinks. Let me, let me give you scripture to back it up. Luke 6, 26. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated who? The false prophets. Okay, let me continue on. Revelation 3, 1, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are what? You're dead. Okay. Matthew 23, verses 5 through 7, everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. Hmm. The word of God is speaking. 
The word of God is speaking. Lukewarm people, check this one out. Lukewarm people don't really want to be saved from their sin. They want only to be saved from the penalty of their sin. They don't genuinely hate sin and aren't truly sorry for it. They're merely sorry because God is going to punish them. Lukewarm people don't really believe that this new life in Jesus offers, that Jesus offers, is better than the old sinful one. Do we see a lot of that happening in the church? Where, where people just, you know, I mean, I don't really want to be saved from their sin. By the way, I'm so thankful for Jesus Christ. According to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says that his, you shall call his name Jesus and he shall save their people from their what? Sin. From their sins. From their sins. There on Mount Calvary, there on Mount Calvary, you have all of humanity represented. You have the two thieves and then you have Christ. You have one thief who died to sin. You have another thief who died in sin. And then you have the one in the middle who died for sin. And so every person on the face of planet Earth is going to make a decision sooner or later whether to die to sin or die in it. But we don't need to die in sin because Christ has died for sin to save us from sin. Yes. All we got to do is accept his, his, his sacrifice. <laughs> Lukewarm people. Notice what it says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or like it says that they might have it more abundantly. In the King James Version, have it more abundantly. Are you experiencing that abundant life? You know, one of the things, one of the reasons why I challenged my church back home about how was church this week is because this is, this is something, it's been, it's been like a paradigm shift in my mind. I believe with all my heart that the Sabbath should be the highlight and the climax of a week already spent with God. Amen. The Sabbath ought to be, I mean, every day, Every day should be, I mean, powerful. God is doing something. God is answering prayers. God is even allowing trials and tribulations to come your way, which we should be thankful for. I mean, somebody is being touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody's being touched by your testimony. Somebody's being touched by your witness. Somebody's being touched by your good deeds. And then when we come into the Sabbath, we ought to be celebrating what God has been doing all week long. But what we've discovered is that because we have not been doing church where we should be doing church, in the home, in the community, wherever we are, at the workplace, we find ourselves dragging into the Sabbath. And it's like, oh, I'm so glad I just made it to the Sabbath. When you should be like, pumped. Sorry. You, you know, one of the things about me, <laughs> you know, when you have a bunch of brothers, you, you, you grow up fighting, you know? And, 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 since, and since, you know, I, I probably was considered like the runt of them off. You saw my brothers, they're all like, you know, big guys. And, and, and so, you know, they used to pick on me a lot when I was kid. But man, when I got older, I always considered myself to be like a wolverine. Small, but man, vicious, you know. Took up boxing, took up some of the other, you know, martial arts and stuff like that. Learned it, picked it up. And man, I tell you what, God put in me this, 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 this like, man, I had a, pastor had a wicked temper too, to boot. Woo, I praise God that he helped me with that. Amen. Aren't you thankful that God can take things like that away? Yes. Not once in a while, though, you know, rear its ugly head when we're walking. Sometimes we step out of the spirit and begin walking in the flesh again. It happens. That's why I'm always shocked when, when Christians are shocked and surprised when people do certain things 
when they're basically just acting out their own human propensities and proclivities and tendencies because they're not walking with Jesus? Why, why are we shocked when, when somebody just all of a sudden falls off or does something wrong? And, and, and folks, I want to share with you that that's what the difference is when you read Romans 6, 6, 6 7, and 8. That's talking about how we struggle, both those in the world and Christians, we struggle with the spirit and the flesh. But praise be to God, when in Romans chapter 8, it says that when we walk, those who are in Christ walk after the spirit. They don't provide the things of the flesh. Would you say amen? amen. They don't. But man, I'll tell you what. You know, when you, when you, when you, when you, and, and I like what Pastor said. Ooh, I like, I tell you, I tell you, my Christianity has always been tested on the freeway. <laughs> uh, is it okay? I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be open with you. Man, sometimes, and you know, and I tell you what, my wife's voice sounds eerily like the voice of God sometimes. <laughs> and so does my 13-year-old daughter. Because we'll be driving along, some guy just cut, I mean, cut me off, or just zoom right up on, man, does it seem like, I, I don't know about you, but I've never seen so many aggressive drivers in my life, myself included. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, you know, whenever, whenever we have services and stuff, and I always go back to Romans chapter 5, verse 6, 8, and 10, where it says that when we were without strength, when we were ungodly, when we were sinners, when we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. I always tell those who are visiting or who are guests, I say, listen, if that's you, I want you to know that you are most welcome here. Pull up a seat right next to the rest of us sinners. Yes. But I tell you, man, when, 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 I'm, when, when I'm getting cut off in traffic, and, and you know what? Okay, so... I, I, I must confess, it's a lot better now, though. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the road rage that I once had, but still, that head. <laughs> and my daughter's, my daughter's like, Dad? Dad? And my, and my wife is like, Honey? <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Just, you know, keep, 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 keep looking forward. Keep driving. And I'm like, mm, 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 mm. Lord, help me. You know? Well, praise be to God. Praise be to God for Jesus that he helps us in those situations, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't ever want to be in a situation where, um, like, a, like a man, you know, he was at a, he was at a, he was at a stop sign, and um, for some reason, I think he was distracted or something, and the guy behind him just kept beeping the horn, honking the horn, like, bah, bah. and then finally he just got so upset, he just jumped out of the car, went up to the car, and said, man, why are you honking your horn? He says, well, it says on your bumper sticker, honk if you love Jesus. So, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? What do you think, folks? No. no. And Paul emphatically says, No, by no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Lukewarm people are moved, listen to this one, lukewarm people are moved by stories about people who do radical things for Jesus, yet they do not act. <laughs> I mean, you know, you guys, we're going to have a missionary tomorrow. And I'm, 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 just, I'm just letting you know right now, 
she's going to come with some very powerful t- stories and testimonies. And, and, and of course, as always, in gatherings, people are like, ooh, ah, oh, wow, amen, praise God, that's powerful. I'm glad you're doing it, though. <laughs> I want to share with you that, that, that there, there are too many spectators in the church. This, folks, is not another denomination. The Adventist church is a movement raised up by God, prophetic movement raised up by God for such a time as this. You know, while, while I'm on it, the other, the other group that, I, that I've, been, I've had the privilege of, of ministering to, and this is, this, this, you know, is the Muslim popula- population that's nearby, nearby um, Maple Valley. There's a big uh, population of uh, Muslims out there in Kent. And I've been, I've been going in and out among them. I've, I'm, I'm actually going to be um, visiting their mosque. They've asked me to speak at their mosque. And uh, you, you guys want to know how it happened? Well, my nephew, his funeral, I, it was packed to the hilt. I mean, we had young people. I mean, that, that church over there at Highline Church in, in uh, Burien was packed. And among them, there were some Muslims. And I knew right away. I, I, just, I, just, I, can, I just knew that they were Muslims. Um, they came in, you know, dressed very nicely, bow ties and, you know, very nice and kind. And I can hear them, assalamu alaikum, and, and things like that. But here's, here's, the, here's the thing. When I met with them after they heard me preach about the second coming of Jesus at my nephew's funeral, they came up to me afterwards and said, that was a powerful message. And we too believe in the second coming of Jesus. And then I said to them, brother, that's because we are the people of the book. We're the people that you've been looking for. You see, I've, I've studied the Quran. And do you know that in their very own book, it says that the Muslims are supposed to seek and find out the people of the book who can teach them about the Bible, the truth of the word of God, and that they too will come along and give their hearts to Jesus. And when I said that we are the people of the book, they said, whoa, you're the people of the book? You're the ones that the Quran has been talking about? They said, we need to talk. And I said, okay, well, let's, let's talk. So now they said, you know what? We want you to come and share the word at the mosque. You would, be, you would be shocked and amazed at how in the Quran it tells them you are, to, you are to seek out the writings of the Torah, the Injil, which is the Gospels, and the Psalms. <laughs> and they said that the only ones who can teach you that. And by the way, this is interesting. Okay, listen, listen to me carefully, Adventists. Listen to me carefully. In the Quran it says that you are to find the people of the book, but not all Christians are the same. There is a special sect of Christians that you are to seek and find out. Wow. Guess who that is? That's the Adventists. Here's why. Do you know that the Adventists have been strategically placed on this planet? Do you know that we can relate to the Jew? The Jew can look at us and say, you keep the Sabbath. You guys do this and that. You're a Jew. The Muslims will look at us and say, you don't eat pork, you don't drink alcohol, you don't smoke, you don't gamble, you're a Muslim. And then other Christians will look at us and say, man, we have so much in common, 
But you guys are kind of little, you guys are a little bit odd with the Sabbath thing. So guess what? The Adventists can reach the Jew, other Christians, and the Muslims. Because we're the people of the book. Do you, do you think it's an accident? And I, listen, I'm, I'm, not here, I'm not here to talk about any political agenda. But I firmly believe that even with all the stuff that's happening with the immigration and all the people who are coming, the refugees who are coming, listen carefully to what I'm going to say, folks. I believe that God in his providence has allowed many of these people who would not have had the opportunity to hear about Jesus in their own country to come here and meet the people of the book. Do you, think, do, you think, do you think it's an accident that all of a sudden many of these Muslims where Christians have no, have no access, where they can't get into some of these countries now, that all of a sudden they're getting visions and dreams from angels and, and, and hearing the voice of God, God, God himself, and all of a sudden they're, they're, they're converting over to Christianity? God is doing a great work. Uh, I'm, you know, again, it's a, it may be a different context here. But man, I'm, I'm telling you, for me, I believe, and I know you do too, time is so short. Time is so short. And, I, and you know what? I decided, I decided along with my wife and my kids that we are going to be bold for God. Come with me. Um, and check this out. They assume such, such action, <laughs> you know, when you start doing radical things for Jesus, what do the lukewarm people think of it? They think that you're what? Extreme. And, I mean, they assume such action is for extreme Christians, not average ones. Lukewarm people call radical what Jesus expected of all of his followers. Wow. So... I hope that you're tech, you know, I hope that we're checking the temperature. <laughs> Let me, Pastor, keep me on time. I want to I make sure I'm, I'm, I'm staying on time. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James 4.17, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Matthew 21, 28 through 31. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. And I guess the question, the natural question to ask is, which son are we? You know, I, I, I had a brother come over and do a seminar last weekend about also reaching the Muslim population, and I like what he said. He said, he said that uh, because of, um, you know, media and, and, um, and because there is a sect that's radical, you know, we, we, we tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I want to share with you, too, though, that even Christianity has some radical sex in it. You know, I mean, we're not, we're not, we're not, um, you know, 
we can't absolve ourselves of, of any of that too. And I'm not saying I don't condone anything that radicals do um, because I believe that that is, that is the spirit of Satan that leads people to do such, such things. But notice, lukewarm people, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to bring it to a, a, a close until the second, the second half. Lukewarm people rarely share their faith with their neighbors, co-workers, or friends. They do not want to be rejected, nor do they want to make people uncomfortable by talking about private issues like religion. I, uh, there was, a, there was, a, there was a, a church member that actually said, um, and this was uh, with one of, one of the other churches, my pastor friend shared this with me. Man, this is, wow, this, was, this hit home, pastor. This hit home. He said, why, why don't people invite their friends or family or neighbors to church? Let me, let me, let me throw that out to you. Why, why do you think? Rejection? Yeah. Yeah, we don't like rejection, right? Anything else? See? They may not be interested. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to be inconvenienced. Don't want to be inconvenienced. <laughs> Good. Anyone else? They will have it at home yeah, and not go to church. Yeah. But they but they don't want to go to church. Yeah. Have you guys noticed too thank you. Have you guys noticed too that, that, that lately there's been like this this um this kind of feeling among like some of our church family members and young adults even where they like have they don't really they have an issue now with the institution. Because the institution is not carrying out the mission. And as a result, they want to go find that mission. Or they'd rather watch YouTube and listen to speakers on YouTube. Nothing wrong with that. But, but here's something I want to share with you. So that member came back and told the pastor, the reason, why, the reason why many of us don't want to invite people to our church is because we're afraid to bring them to our church. Because of the way our church is. Because we, we, we're afraid that if we bring them in, that, that they'll be turned off. We just don't feel and sense the love of God in our church. Oh, it's a nice gathering. We got a lot of nice people. But we got to go beyond that, folks. You know, one of the things that, please understand too, so I was a Bible worker for a number of years, and every time, every time somebody comes into the church, my Bible, my, my, my Bible worker antennas go up. I'm always scanning and looking around. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm doing the same thing here. You know, that's one thing I picked up from reading the life of Jesus. It says that he would pay attention to the facial expressions of those who are listening to the message because by, by the way their facial expressions are going, it determined how he would then move and change that message in order to get a response from them. <laughs> so that's why, that's why I do that. But... There was a man who came in one time at Highline Church, and I just want to share with you, he came in and sat down by himself. I was sitting in the back, and, I, and then I, my, my attendance went up. I was looking. I was like, wow, nobody's moving over there to, to sit with him. And so the Holy Spirit said, what are you waiting for? Get up and go and sit down with him. So I went down and sat down next to him. And I sat down next to him, and I, and I introduced myself. I said, hi, my name is Nehemiah. He said, my name is, you know. He mentioned his name, 
And then, and then um, I said, man, do you want to you share a Bible? I can, I can let you, you know, have my, I said, oh, that would be nice. That would be nice. He said, thank you so much. Afterwards, I said, hey, why don't you come over there to my house, man? Let's go have a, have a meal. My wife prepared, uh, prepared lunch. He said, thank you so much. Do you know that this brother, this brother left the church 20 years before because he was hurt by the church? And do you know that be, just because, just because we showed interest in him and befriended him and took him home to our house and he was with us all the time after that, now that brother, not only was he rebaptized several years ago, but he is now an elder of that church. Amen. You know, too often I think that, you know, we, we're cliquish. You know, we only want to sit with people that we want to sit with. We, we, we have our names engraved on the, on the pews. We want to sit in our holy huddles during our fellowship meal. I, I don't know about you, but I'm just speaking from my own experience. You know, I, I try to share with the church members, please, when we have a bunch of guests coming in, don't go and sit with who you always sit with. Go and make friends. Yes. Sit with them. Connect with them. And I even shared with some of those who, you know, who um, have come out from the world, who have come out from these different denominations. I share with them, listen, you can reach these folks in ways that I can't. Because I was born and raised in Adventists. I don't know what it's like to have um, work-related issues on the Sabbath. Because, I, you know, I grew up, I don't have that issue. But these people, not only are they changing, I mean, they're changing an entire lifestyle. That's why, that's why you know, it, it just, it, it, it just it's, it's amazing what we focus on. We got people who are coming in out of the cold, coming in out of the cold. They just gave up pork. They just gave up booze. And then when they come in, all of a sudden we want to say, okay, you can't drink water for an hour after you eat. No pepper, no condiments. Man, they just gave a pork. Give people some room to grow. I mean, wasn't God merciful with us? It's, just, it's amazing. It's amazing what we focus on. Well, let me, let me, let me just uh, finish here. Matthew 10, 32 and 33, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Lukewarm people gauge their morality or goodness by comparing themselves to the secular world. They feel satisfied that while they aren't as hardcore for Jesus as so-and-so, they are nowhere as horrible as the guy down the street. <laughs> Paul warns us that we should not compare ourselves with, with other people. By the way, let me just make it very plain. The only standard in this church that we ought to be compared to is Jesus. And according to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Oh, I love this verse. Yes, 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 I love this verse. It says that for all have sinned and have come what? Short. Say that louder. Short. short. <laughs> I used to think I was the only short guy. <laughs> but that verse tells me that everyone's short. But praise God, Jesus loves short people. Right? He said, for all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. I used to hate that song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Like, man, why are you guys always singing that song around me? <laughs> but I praise God. I praise God. But no, no, look at that, folks. Look at that. You know, as long as we're not as bad as the other guy down the street, we may not as be, you know, Hardcore for Jesus as somebody in the church. But, it's, but man, compared to that guy? No, folks. Let's stop comparing ourselves with one another. 
The only one that we look to is Jesus. <laughs> okay. Luke 18, verse 11 and 12. The Pharisee, stood up, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. That's the, that's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Okay. Um, praising himself and praying to himself, basically. Last one for this section. Lukewarm people say they love Jesus and he is indeed a part of their lives, but only a part. They give him a section of their time, their money, and their thoughts, but he isn't allowed to control their lives. Amen. I guess you can call that half-hearted, half-committed, half-baked. We're willing to give them a little bit, but not everything. Last time I checked, Jesus is supposed to be both Savior and what else? Lord of our lives. So I don't know about you, but I found these things to be challenging and, and, and to me. And trust me, when I had to go through it myself and look at these, I was like, wow. Lord, you're speaking to my heart. Help me to see, Lord, that I, you know, don't let me get all puffed up and think that I'm, you know, this and that. And when you hear the second part of my testimony later on tomorrow, I'm going to share with you what God did for me um, in bringing me back, bringing me back to the ministry. You know, um, I just, I'll close with, you know, the, when I was out in the world, the one thing that I, one thing I do know is that we were very sincere. We were very, we were very um, radical in what we did. It breaks my heart, you know, when I think about um, when I think about the lives that I've that I've affected in a negative way. I'm talking about young people, my nephews and nieces. Five minutes, okay, and. Um, Man, I, I, I just, it, I praise God, though, that at this past Samoan camp meeting, among the 44 young people that were baptized, seven, seven of them were my nieces and nephews. I praise God for that. It tells me that God is trying to break, or God can break generational curses. You know, we don't have, you don't have to keep repeating what took place in the past. My father was an alcoholic prior to coming to Jesus. I see all of that in my siblings. And I know that if, if, it, if it were not for the power of the gospel and for the power of the Holy Spirit to keep me, I too would be down that road. I mean, have you guys ever read the dysfunction of Abraham's family? Yes. How one lie perpetuated to another son telling the same lie, and then, and then it just perpetuated to where um, 11 boys or 10 boys told a lie, Right? I mean, think about how that spreads, folks. And praise be to God that Joseph broke that generational curse. And, and I just want to share with you that no matter what you're facing, your, our young people, our children, God can do exceedingly above what we think or imagine. That's why we've got to be praying for our, for our families. 
I want to pray for your families today. I want to pray for the marriages. I want to pray for the singles. I want to pray for the young people. We need Jesus. And I hope that we would get hot for him. I mean that we would be on fire for him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for this time again with my family. And Lord, I, I'm just praying that as we are reading these things, Lord, and taking a look that we are taking personal inventory of our own lives, that we are truly looking at ourselves, Lord, and, and asking ourselves, Lord, we, are we really, really on fire for you, or are we, are we lukewarm? And Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, wake us up, arouse us from our spiritual lethargy. Arouse us, Lord, and wake us up. Help us, Lord, to see that, that, that the time is far spent and, and that you are coming soon, Jesus. You are coming soon. All the signs that are coming to pass, all the prophecy is coming to pass. Lord, help us now to recognize our need of you and that you want to spark and ignite a blaze in this community, in this church. And you want to win not just families, you want to win towns and cities and, in, and the entire state of Washington. Lord, I'm, I believe this. I claim it, Lord, because when I read in the book of Acts, over there in Acts chapter 17, um, when, when the city was complaining about Jason and his family, it says these are the ones who are turning this city upside down. Lord, and what you did at, in Pentecost and what you did in Acts, we have been told that you are going to repeat that and exceed that. Lord, help us to be the church, not just on Sabbath, but the church every day, ministering and reaching out to the lost. Thank you, Lord, for calling us to be co-laborers with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.